Hello, I'm George Adams. I'm co-founder and CEO of VisiApps, and I'm here talking with Paul Kemp, the App Guy. The App Guy Podcast. Straight from your host, Paul, the App Guy. Sharing his app entrepreneur journey with you for your enjoyment. The App Guy Podcast. Welcome to another episode of the App Guy podcast. I'm your host, it's Paul Kemp, and I like to try and bring you some of the most inspiring people from around the world, people that are involved in apps, and just learn about what they're doing so that we can apply it to our own businesses, to our own app journeys. And so we've been fortunate enough to have you know a lot of different guests, and today we've got someone from the US, but who's Russian. So that's like going to be really interesting to understand his journey. His name is uh, Raphael Sutanov. And uh, if you go and just check out ibuildapp.com, and you'll see that he's uh, getting up to uh, building apps and things. So uh, Raphael, it's great that you could join us on the App Guy podcast. Hi, guys. Would, would like would love to talk to you today and tell you what we're doing and um, how we become app builders. <laughs> Well, you know, I have to say that uh, there's a lot of uh, unbelievably uh, great developers coming out of Russia. Um, but what's it like? I have to start. You know, what's it like being a Russian in the U.S.? Um, I've been living in the U.S. in uh, like for 15 years, so I already thinking like local one, like American. So. Um, I don't think it's a, for me it's a big difference now. But initially, in the first let's say five years, of course, it's a, a lot of hesitation. You always thinking twice, like what what step to take and uh, uh, what path in your life to take. And I had to study a lot, a lot. I spent a lot, a lot of time studying English from the scratch. Spent a lot of time in college and uh, in the university. That's amazing. So you, uh, 15 years you've been living in the U.S. And have you always been doing development work through that, throughout that time? Yeah, I've been staying in IT all my almost life. And uh, um, I have a master's degree in computer science from Russia. I came here um, to study in a college and um, get H-1B programmer visa. was working as a software engineer, as a technical lead in a few companies. And next I spent almost 10 years as a software project manager, as a software project director, working in a consulting. Mm-hmm. That's wonderful. So uh, in terms of then uh, when you started uh, working on apps and you could see that there's going to be an explosion in mobile smartphones and the, you know the app world that we live in now, when did you get attracted towards that industry? Um there was a conference in uh, in San Francisco about smart people um, how to connect business with IT. So um, I like this idea, and I heard it in 2009. I heard it all the time. We want an app, we want an app, but we don't, we don't want to code it. We don't want to program. We, we don't have skills. And it was a really shortage of uh, of app developers on the market, of Apple developers on the market. So. Um, and uh, since I spent a lot of time on it, I remember G2ME wireless programming uh, like 10 years ago. And the idea was in the air, let's uh, make it easy to build G2ME uh, programs for wireless phones. Um, 
but it was not successful. I remember this cross-platform frameworks and it was really big fragmentation. I was getting orders from gaming companies to port up to 300 devices their games. So I said, okay, it seems interesting. The only obstacle I see how we can automate creating builds automatically. And we, we test for three months some prototypes to put it Xcode on, on the cloud and uh, get builds created automatically. And we succeed, succeeded. That, that's wonderful. So, Raphael, that what you're saying then is that with ibuildapp.com, you're really helping people uh, build apps uh, without knowing a lot about uh, software development and uh, coding and languages. Yes, yes. We help businesses and professionals to um, create their own apps, mobile apps for business and uh, monetize their customer base and some of them to start their own mobile companies as our partners, local and technology partners. Mm -hmm. And did you get some funding for the idea? Did you get outside investors, angel investors, venture capitalists? Yes, yes, of course. Um, initially, I started it on my own money, invested two, three hundred k, and um, we didn't pay ourselves founders. It's two of us actually. Uh, uh, didn't we, we, we didn't pay ourselves for first couple of years, one half year, and um, next we raised in two thousand eleven uh, first uh, angel investment, and as of today, we have one point five million invested in us. We rejected a couple offers. We didn't feel it was right for us. So it's not always a good idea to take any money from funds. But yes, we have angel and uh, funds investments as of today. Mm -hmm. Raphael, this is amazing. So what you're saying is that you could afford to pay your um, or invest in the company $300,000 from, uh, I guess, your team or yourself personally. And... Uh, you had all that money, but you decided not to pay yourself in the first two years. That, I, I, either you're very, very passionate or very crazy. Yeah, I had good consulting business. It was um, I had a lot of money from this company. I spent about like five, seven years on it, growing customer base. But yeah, I really like this idea, and we also did some tests. We tried social social network education, online education, remote education. We were even getting some funding for them. But we saw demand for mobile apps that was blowing our mind. We still see it today. It's The demand is, is enormous. No any other market in the world has such demand as of now. No for e-commerce. Because I went through a few waves in this IT. I remember early websites. We went through it. E-commerce, I, I built over 50 of them, e-commerce sites. Social networks, I built a few of them for colleges, for friends, telecom, for other companies. Um, and mobile apps, and I see that everyone goes mobile now. Consumers already there. How about business? Business not. How do you transfer your communication, engagement with customers in a mobile space? It's still open question to the person who solves this problem probably will be next Bill Gates. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That That is inspiration enough for anybody listening. Now, I like to call my audience the Appster tribe. And, you know, first of all, you've just got the most inspiring story. You know, it just shows you that 
anyone with passion can make it. And the fact that, you know, it sounds like you were very successful before even starting iBuildApp. And, uh, you, you know, but you could use that uh, as a as a platform to then build upon, the, you know, what you're doing now with iBuildApp. So I just want to say congratulations and, and uh, you know, fully inspirational story there, Raphael. Uh, so uh, we'll move on to your journey then. You've got this uh, I build app and uh, you, uh, are you focusing on what the business, uh, businesses buying these, uh, these apps or uh, consumers? Uh, we're focusing on businesses. Uh, we have some idea about personal project. We probably will uh, get it out as a part of our offering where you can get your own personal app in your mobile phone, in a few swipes, up and running. It's probably a good idea. It's probably going to be part of marketing. But again, again, um, the main focus is businesses. So you sound very clever and in terms of what you're doing. And I'm guessing that you've obviously targeted a market that have a little bit more money than perhaps the average consumer. Because, you know, a lot of apps to try... Uh, developers listening to this now develop a very, you know, very good apps and they put it into the Android Play Store or the Apple uh, App Store and then you know they're really fighting over just getting 69 cents 99 cents for a download and uh, here you are targeting businesses who uh, do have the money and have spent I'm guessing a lot of money on their websites and are not investing in mobile and now they're trying to catch up and so they're coming to you uh, f- for your platform to build uh, these apps. Uh, is, is that a fair assessment of, of where you are? Yeah, it's a well-known problem that um, businesses um, businesses have, uh, develop, app developers have some problems monetizing apps. It's, um, I saw even good articles recently in TechCrunch, um, like disposable apps. We actually had this idea for a while, and I, I called it like one night stand apps. So you, know, we actually <laughs> you call it what? Sorry, one night stand apps. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. it's a, it's a com- comparison. But what I'm saying is, it's the same idea. Disposable apps, like you do in a browser with a website, you just find it, you use it, and that's it. You you need, you can find any business in the Google using Google now, right? Uh, like you type, let's say, City College of San Francisco, you get site. You can type local restaurants, Starbucks, anything. I do it all the time when I'm mobile, actually, on a, using Google Maps. But if you want to launch a real app, like website in a browser, there's nothing else on the phone right now. You have to download, register, install. This is not what consumers want. This is the biggest dropping point. This is why we're spending our time now. Where they living, what they want. And uh, this is where you have, I guess, enormous opportunity to monetize your apps because uh, it's not about engineering. You can increase revenues in, in tenfold by just optimizing your app, improving your user experience, finding who's your customer. So well, let's talk about your customer because uh, this is a podcast that is to help the app developer community and people in- interested in, in coming in. And, you know, the takeaways already from this chat with you is that people are going to hear these big numbers, 300,000, $1.5 million, and, that you know, they're going to be so- somewhat attracted by-, by the money. And and then they'll build an app, spend a-, a lot of money on, probably put, you know, money on their credit card, and 
and the app will be beautiful, um, but will no, not go anywhere. And so we want to learn from you uh, how it is that you could, um, you know, raise so much money and uh, how you actually sell the concept to businesses. So you're saying, uh, actually you ask, I think, two, two questions. How I raise the money and how I sell concept to businesses? Yeah, well, we know that you raised the money uh, f- from uh, investors, you know, after two years of uh, investing your own money. Uh, the real question is, how actually are you uh, attracting your client base to uh, buy these uh, apps uh, from you? Um, I see. Um, we actually rejected more money than we raised <laughs> about three, four times. Um, if you do everything right, I believe, then you always have more offers than you can afford. It's just because you're trying to still keep control of the company as you know what you're doing and then don't want to just finance people to say what to do. So, uh, yeah. again, attraction speaks for itself. You build apps, you get like 20, 50 million downloads. It's, it's, of course, they line up and want to invest in you. We're getting calls from Silicon Valley funds. Recently got a call from another fund, very well known. First tire, they said, we're gonna meet, we, wanna, we can meet with you anytime. Tomorrow, fine, what time you want to meet. But again, again, uh, it's not about money, like I said, it's about traction. And this is second part of your question, um, how we convince businesses to use it. We believe in uh, first disposable apps, which is not currently part of our offering. And second is um, marketplace. Let's talk about it. When you build an app, and this is, I guess, what most developers do, app developers as well, uh, you usually reuse a lot of your code. You don't program code from the scratch every time you start your app, right? The same is here uh, for businesses that don't want to do programming. Our core, initially when we started selling our service, we saw it's mostly for small businesses that don't have IT department, that don't want to do programming, but still need mobile apps to communicate with customers, sell, to interact with their audience. And over the time, we actually got quite a few big customers using our services like US Navy, US State Department, Sega, Russian Sberbank, um, who else? Um, Emory University, UCLA, Minnesota State, Miami uh, County, Houston Police, and lots of other organizations. Are you saying these are your customers? Yeah, paying customers. What I'm saying is it's paying customers. They, as of now, paid us over 1.3 million. So it's not really like startup, it's more like business generating money as of now. Uh, so... Uh, this is uh, fascinating and I am totally hooked on every word you're saying here because uh, I think, you know, we're in the presence of greatness here, Raphael. And, uh, you know, uh, you, you're just throwing around these numbers and uh, I mean, these are huge. So I want to go back to something you said a little bit earlier in that Silicon Valley, you get noticed, you get traction when you develop apps that get, uh, what, 15 million downloads. Uh, are you Have you got like a big hit then to your name? That has given you sorry? downloads. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you've got se- several apps that that what are uh, accumulating something like fifteen million downloads. Um, it's again, again, it's uh, our service is do it yourself. So our customers create their own apps for their businesses. 
no causing requirement. Just oh, I see. Okay, yeah. So your customers are building the apps, which has ultimately led to then uh, these apps being downloaded 15 million times or mm. whatever the number is. It's, it's huge. And, yeah. And what you're doing that's very clever is that you're leveraging the power of your your clients uh, to then see you know the, these big numbers and then get the attention of silicon valley who then are coming knocking on your door trying to throw money at you and you then have all these opportunities and you take the ones that you think are the best for you and the future of your company is that right um yes and no it depends on what some specific funds want to see enterprise clients some specific funds believe in a big picture and their expertise is different they say we don't understand why businesses want so many apps basically it's a it's a well-known problem this is why i said in one of our conversations today about disposable or one night stand app it's like some vc funds saying like you don't understand real estate of of the phone is very small you're not gonna have more than 60 to 100 apps installed in your phone what's gonna happen next there's over a million in app store it's, it's the mobile landscape is changing, I believe, and this is why I said it's probably going to be more like disposable. And you know, Apple ha- working on it as well. So it's uh, well. This is what I love, Rafael, about this podcast because uh, to all my long-term listeners, we can uh, connect the dots back to previous episodes. And we had an ASO, an App Store optimization professional, and uh, uh, one of the earlier episodes. I think it's around about forty-ish. And uh, he, he was building about 500 apps a, a month, putting them into the app store. Some got rejected, most got through. And what you're now saying is on, on top of that, that there is this emerging trend towards disposable apps, apps that are used one night stands almost and then uh, never seen again, deleted off the phone. And companies... I yeah. again. I never said. I said, it's, you just use them and forget about them. Oh, okay. No. Uh, installation, no registration, because it's it's consumers don't want to type; they want to swipe and press the button. So I'm trying to understand then that the large companies that you you went through there um, would not want to pay fifteen thousand dollars per app to these apps that are only used and forgotten. Uh, hence, they want to build multiple ones for different uh, tasks. Is that right? And that's why they come to you. Yeah, this is another actually um, way it's going. Uh, yeah, it's different segments. If you're talking about enterprise, for example, I cannot speak specifically for companies what they doing. What let's say you are a big company, they wanna nowadays build a bunch of them. Let's say for you are employee, you just started a job, and this is company is not IT company and not finance. So your employees mostly work in the field. They don't have basically computer. They not chained to the desk. So they download the app, and it says this is orientation first day, second, third, here's the schema, where you're going, who you're reporting to, your contacts, here's materials, here's checkbox, did you read it? Ask knowledge, accept it. So you're trying, they're trying to automate new hire. Instead of giving them a pile of papers, they saying automate on a, on a mobile. Second, your payroll your communicate with, communication with the charge departments. Again, again, if you don't have computer at your work, you are not in a company, not working in a cubicle, right? You're in the field. Third, uh, dealership, you're visiting 
car dealership, и now getting idea what who I'm talking to, and uh, you don't want to now get the brochure about this car, because once you walk out of the dealership, you're going to throw away, walk to another dealership of another brand. So they're trying to give you, in this case, get you an app in your phone immediately and communicate with you via push notification and uh, virtual 3D updates of new models and you can build your, your car, customized version using this app. So they're trying to sell it nowadays using the apps because it's more instant. This, yeah, this is a big trend, isn't it? I've been, well, I've, I've actually been following this. I, I, I was thinking of that years ago and thinking that, you know, maybe QR codes to the app are the way forward. I'm not sure if that's the case or not, but certainly, you know, we, we are moving away from searching online on our mobiles, you know, for when we go to a car dealership, for example, and we would much prefer a native app that's very easy to use, but then we use it for that purpose of being in the dealership and then we forget about it if we no longer need the car or find another dealership. So yeah, I, I'm following you. Okay. Yeah. Oh, this is great stuff, Raphael. So I, I, I'm really, as I say, I was following you and uh, if I could just summarize what I think I've learned through this um, podcast from you is that there is a really big appetite for larger companies, mid-sized companies to have um, uh, many apps for uh, the specific purposes that consumers need. And these are almost like disposable type apps because they go and get lost on the phone somewhere because we only actually end up using pr probably less than 100 you know, apps and maybe I would say maybe 30 apps on our phone you know, as regular apps. So uh, you, your company and iBuildApp is helping meet that demand by offering an easy solution to build native apps and have them into the app stores. Is that right? Yes, correct. Mm -hmm. Right. So how much, um, well, how much do the companies end up um, paying for uh, a native app? Do they, they do all the work themselves, do they? They go to your platform build it, um, I'm guessing, on on, uh, uh, on a WYSIWYG type, uh, drop dr drag and drop type place, and, and then and, uh, get the binary code from you and submit it themselves to the App Store? Uh, yeah, basically, it's, it's, it's correct. Uh, we have quite a few different widgets. We call them feature nowadays. Uh, so each feature is different, like some of them mimic the Facebook wall, some of them e-commerce integrated with storefront of some uh, e-commerce e engines, uh, some video, audio with integrated likes and comments and uh, sharing on social media. And moreover, we actually sell source code for these widgets. Uh, so you can quickly get your app, like prototype, if you, even if you are a developer, um, get source code of it and uh, modify and use across your offering to your clients. Because we have marketplace. You can, you know, this marketplace, we have over 10,000 crowdsourced mobile templates, design templates. I mean, I'm not a designer, and you, I guess, not also. So you can go there, get buy or get some free te mobile template. You can also sell your own, because you can design your own mobile template just in a browser of, of your computer and sell it or use across your apps when you're selling your uh, service to your clients. So we have solutions, pre-built apps. In this case, you can pre-build 
let's say 10 apps and use it as a quick offering to your customers and we also can let you show it to your client to download on their phone without even creating ad hoc build so you can quickly get prototype you can get source code you can show your clients on the phone what they're getting to and it's easy to sell in this case there you go that that is the golden nugget for the apps to tribe listening right now is that they can go to your platform and they can then uh, use it to build apps and sell those on to uh, the the end client and uh, you know uh, rafa i have to confess that in uh, this this is uh, episode 139 139 and just by coincidence it really is by coincidence uh, y- you are uh, just following uh, another entrepreneur called uh, George Adams, and he uh, was talking about Visi apps, which uh, it sounds s- a little bit similar. And it's just a coincidence that this has happened that you're side by side. But uh, I think it's really important for the listeners to understand that the, what you're doing is you're offering us the tools to bypass all that you know heavy lifting and work that we need to do for building a native app, and we could do it on your platform and charge uh, consultancy for that well just before we say goodbye um i have to ask you i mean as someone who is a big native uh, app user uh, do you have one app that you could recommend that we may not have heard of that has made your life easier you can go to our uh, site ibuildapp.com and uh, play with pre-built apps we call them solutions or you can go to our app store we have web app store and uh See featured apps and uh, choose what you like. There are tons of them. There's over 800 built and over 100,000 published. So there's tons of them. You can play even in App Store. We have online uh, online um, in JavaScript created uh, demo. So you don't need to download. Or you can download on your Android phone. Many of them have iTunes reference to this app. Mm-hmm. Well, this has been fascinating. And how... You've certainly inspired me and I'm sure inspired a lot of people from your journey and the fact that you've you know raised a lot of money and uh, you've just got that wonderful list of uh, clients that are using it. So how best can we reach out and connect with you if, if we want to you know say hello, say hello or just jump in and uh, how, can, how can we connect with you, Raphael? Yeah, you can find our, uh, our um, business page on Facebook. So just type I build up on Facebook and contact us on Facebook. Yeah, I'll make sure I put those in the show notes as well, because this is episode 139, which means that uh, if you go to the appguy.co and just search for the episode uh, with Raphael, then uh, you will see the links to your Facebook page and to your website. Um, Raphael, it just leaves me to say thank you so much for joining us uh, on the App Guy podcast. All the best to turning this in from you know what is currently a very successful company to a, a, what could be a, a hugely massive company in the future. And so I wish you all the best. And uh, maybe we'll be reading about you being bought out by Google or Apple or Facebook at some point in the future. <laughs> thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Stay tuned for the next episode. If you want to be a guest on the show or suggest someone, then please send an email to info at onemob.com. The App Guy Podcast.